On this edition of the Nonstop BS Podcast, there is a team that would be an instant Super Bowl contender that may surprise you if they'd explore the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes. Who got the best and worst deals in free agency as we dig into the best and worst signings from the first week of the NFL League year? And then I make my predictions for the upcoming Sweet 16 and Elite 8 games, delivering my updated Final Four uh, at, this part, at this point in the tournament, followed by our best bets for the rest of the week in the NBA and March Madness. All this and more on this Wednesday morning edition of the Nonstop BS Podcast. Are you sick and tired of listening to the legacy media speak repetitively on the same teams, topics, ideas, themes, and players every day? Nonstop BS is a podcast that will give you topics and thoughts about the NFL, NBA, college sports, NASCAR, and others with a deeper vision into why things happen the way they do around the world of sports. There are so many lazy takes from all your favorite media personalities that frustrate you and me every day when we turn on our television or phone. Whether it has to do with politics and sports, promoting big brands, and ridding topics of context just to sway the listener's opinion. I, for one, am sick and tired of this type of sports media, and that's why I'm bringing you Nonstop BS. Nonstop BS will dig deep into the why things happen in our favorite sports leagues, creating interesting conversation along with making me and you a smarter, more insightful, broad-thinking sports fan. Not to mention, I will give you betting picks for multiple leagues using our new way of thinking about the world of sports and having a little bit of fun with it, along with maybe putting some money in our wallets. So if this sounds like something you've been craving when tirelessly listening to people shout at you about how wrong you are from all of your favorite sports media outlets, then make sure you tune in with me, Cole Lynchide, and take the journey of these fantastic seasons we are gifted to enjoy for entertainment with me on Nonstop BS. Welcome into the Nonstop BS Podcast. I'm your host, Cole Lynch. I delivering you nonstop sports conversations and bets without the ridiculous BS typically involved. On today's episode of the show, we have a lot of NFL to get caught up on with free agency um, heating up and a lot of different people getting signed over the weekend, um, a lot of new deals that have happened, and um, we have some overpays and some best values that we're going to go over on the podcast um, so I'm going to bring you my best contracts basically that were given out and some of my worst contracts that I believe were given out, um, on the podcast. And then we're going to go over some college basketball with the March Madness tournament, uh, progressing. Obviously we are now into the sweet 16, which will take place on Thursday and Friday of this week. Um, so I'm going to give you guys, uh, an updated version of what I believe the final four will be. And we'll kind of go over each of the, the games and stuff as well along the way. Uh, and then to conclude, I will give my best bets for uh, Wednesday in the NBA, along with Thursday and Friday in college basketball um, in March Madness. If you're not following me on Twitter, you can follow me at Lynchide Cole. You can follow the show at Nonstop BS Pod, and you can follow me on the Action App if you'd like to follow along my bets. I also post them on Twitter, but on the Action App, I am Cole underscore Lynchide. Um, just a great weekend in sports. The race was super fun um, at Atlanta Motor Speedway. I really love the track ever since they've repaved it and redone, uh, basically just redone the racetrack and turned it into a mini super speedway, and it was a really fun race. Lost a lot of my bets, but Joey Logano made it really exciting at the end with the last second pass over Brad Keselowski. 
I'm telling you guys, Brad Keselowski is is coming this year, and uh, I think he's going to get a win here in the next five weeks or so. Um, I, he's having a really good beginning to the season. So, um, so NASCAR was fun. Um, obviously, the um, uh, there are a lot of sports this weekend. The NBA was really fun this weekend. Uh, March Madness was the highlight of the weekend. Um, a real, another good golf tournament. Just tons of sports going on in the NHL. Um, so a lot of fun and a lot to get into. But I wanted to start the show here. Um, there's a team that I believe that if they get involved here with Lamar Jackson and the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes, um, that I think that it will turn them into a immediate Super Bowl level team. Uh, they're in the NFC, um, and you know it's a team that like I like I like I've said before. I think it's a team that has one of the most underrated rosters in the NFL. It's a team that. Um, not a lot of people are a fan of, not a lot of people around the league like, um, not a lot of people would cheer for this team or choose to cheer for this team for a few different reasons that you'll know in a minute when I disclose them. Um, but, but they have so much talent and I haven't heard rumors of Lamar, um, being connected with him yet outside of just fans talking, but it makes so much sense. And this team is the Washington Commanders. Um, for a, for a multitude of reasons that I'm going to go over, if the Washington Commanders got Lamar Jackson, I think they would be a dark horse team to win the Super Bowl. We'll start with their skill positions. Terry McLaurin, one of the best, most underrated wide receivers in the NFL. Over the last you know four years or so, he has not had a quarterback yet that has given him a consistent um, a consistent you know passer um, for for him to you know, develop with, and, 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 and he's still been one of the most consistent wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, first round pick, Jahan Dotson, acrobatic catches last year, um, speedster, just a fantastic player, uh, played really well. Uh, Curtis Samuel, one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. Brian Robinson, a do-it-all running back, um, rookie last year, and then Antonio Gibson, who's a gadget player. That, that's a fantastic group of five sk- uh, skill position players. An underrated offensive line that struggled to stay healthy last year, but they made some new additions with offensive tackle Andrew Wiley coming over from the Kansas State Chiefs and Nick Gates coming over from the New York Giants. Um, top five defensive line in the NFL when healthy, and and Jonathan with Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat, Chase Young, Darren Payne. Darren Payne just signed the massive contract we talked about a few weeks ago. Um, there's, so the roster is completely set, and they're completely and they're ready right now too. Because a lot of these players are probably not going to be here in a year or two for Washington. They're not going to be able to keep this roster together um, as as long as, for very much longer. As, as and and the, ever since they've let Kirk Cousins walk, this team has been searching for a quarterback. They've been a quarterback away. They're a team that usually, typically, is around five hundred. Has had Taylor Heineke, you know, um, uh, Carson Wentz, um, a rotating door of quarterbacks since Kirk Cousins has left. And it's been a good roster. And they just haven't been able to find their guy, Dwayne Haskins. The late Dwayne Haskins. Um, but the coaching staff right now with Ron Rivera, this is another great point as to why Lamar would be a great fit. The coaching staff knows how to get the best out of a player similar to Lamar Jackson. You think about Ron Rivera when he was at the Carolina Panthers. He coached Cam Newton throughout his whole career at Carolina and brought him to a 68-55-1 and 50, record in the regular season uh, when Cam was a starting quarterback along with four playoff appearances in nine years, including a run to the Super Bowl. Uh, 
and an MVP season for Lamar or for Cam. Um, you know, if if first of all, if Lamar de- if Lamar does go to the NFC, this is the only roster in the NFL to me. And a lot of people would probably call me crazy on this, but this is the only roster right now that they are a quarterback, a Lamar Jackson Lamar Jackson esque quarterback away from being comparable to the 49ers and the Eagles roster in the NFC. That's the only team that can switch that in a in an instant if they get the right quarterback there. Lamar would make them that. Lamar to me would be the best quarterback in the NFL in the NFC. It would be arguable um that 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 he would it would be between him and Jalen Hurts. Uh quarterback if he'd be quarterback 1 in the NFC or quarterback 1A or 1B uh with with Jalen Hurts but the NFC is as weak as it's been over the last decade or two, and this is the perfect time for Washington to get super aggressive. You don't have an opportunity to go after a quarterback like Lamar Jackson for a long time. They've been searching for this quarterback for years, even before Kirk Cousins. They have not had a quarterback like this since the 80s. They have not had any sort of stability at the position uh, for more than five seasons. Um. I, I, I don't understand why this isn't getting talked about more. I don't understand why this isn't a favorite for Lamar Jackson. I don't understand what Washington is doing. Um, there's not a quarterback on their roster worth mentioning besides uh, second-year quarterback Sam Howell with one career start, and they just signed Jacoby Brissett to a one-year deal. We know what we have in Jacoby Brissett. He's not coming here to start. He's coming here to be, um, you know, at best, a bridge quarterback if Sam Howell doesn't work out. So, I, I I think that this would I think the Commanders would instantly turn into one of the most fun and most competitive teams in the NFL. And I don't think you're going to be able to keep this roster together much more. I think you need to capitalize on it immediately. I would not be surprised if we heard um, Washington become kind of a sleeper pick. Uh, they they have they have the cap space to do it. They they can make it work. Um, but it's not going to be able to. It's not going to be an opportunity that you're going to have very often. And this roster is not going to stay here for very long. They have a lot of players that they're going to have to pay in the upcoming um, two off seasons. So, uh, it, to me, that it would be the the best spot for Lamar Jackson to land if he wants to win a Super Bowl as soon as he possibly can. Okay, we're going to move into free agency. There was uh, some signings over the the weekend that um, were some players that I had talked about uh, over last Saturday and the Saturday before. Um, so I'm going to kind of update you guys on that. I got a few right, which I was pretty impressed on because obviously I didn't have any, you know, prior knowledge or it didn't come from anywhere, um, uh, a source or anything like that. It was just me. These, these were kind of things that I thought up and, and, uh, I was pretty impressed that I got a few right. So <laughs> I was kind of happy about that. And then we're going to move into the, the overpays and the best values after that. So Starting off here, Dalton Schultz signed a one-year contract for $9 million with the Houston Texans. This is one that I got correct. Makes him the 13th um, highest-paid tight end in the NFL um, for for a one-year deal. That's average annual value, uh, which I'll be talking about a lot today with these contracts. Um, But for the Texans and for Dalton Schultz, I think it's a fantastic move. Dalton Schultz has been looking for a long-term contract now for the past two seasons, played on the franchise tag for the Cowboys last year. And like I said, like I had talked about before, Dalton Schultz had a limited role with the Cowboys. There's a lot of miles to feed on that offense. With the Texans, especially trading away Brandon Cooks actually to the Cowboys um, also this weekend, they don't really have anybody. And they're probably going to draft a wide receiver along with a quarterback that they'll inevitably draft. 
But now this young quarterback is going to come in, and Dalton Schultz is going to be his uh, most tenured veteran, um, trusted pass catcher in the offense. This is perfect for Dalton Schultz. Um, This is a a perfect season for him to get as many opportunities as he possibly can to show his skill set. I think Dalton Schultz is a really good tight end. I think this is going to be a good situation for him. And I think the Texans are doing a good job um, to give their young rookie quarterback they're going to draft a pretty good team, a lot better than people are going to expect, a pretty good team to um, kind of learn with going into year one with uh, D'Amico Ryans as head coach. So a good move by the Texans. I think a good move for Dalton Schultz. I think this is probably going to uh, lead to a, a deal that Dalton Schultz is trying to get next season. The next one that I got right was Damian Harris, who signed a one-year contract with the Buffalo Bills um, today. It was reported yesterday. Uh, the details are unavailable for that yet on what the money is. All they're saying is it's a one-year deal, and I think this is an awesome signing for the Buffalo Bills. There were, the, Buff- the Bills were rumored um, to be in you know, a, a team that was possibly going to trade for one of the bigger-name running backs with a big contract that teams are trying to get rid of, talking about like Dalvin Cook. Uh, Austin Eckler, a couple that are available and that have been talked about. Uh, but I think Damian Harris makes a lot more sense for the Bills. They drafted James Cook early in the second round last year. Um, and, you know, James Cook is a, a smaller running back, but they, like I said, a, a second round pick on a running back that's pretty significant nowadays. Um, Damian Harris is, is the kind of running back that complements him really well. And the, the Bills don't make a lot of sense as a team that would go all out at the running back position regardless in terms of getting a, a big money deal. But be, just because of the way that their offense is ran with Josh Allen, I mean, he does a lot of the, the work that a running back would do um, himself. So um, this makes a lot of sense because I think Damian Harris is one of the most underrated running backs in the NFL when he's been able to stay healthy. He's a perfect complement to James Cook. Uh, Harris, Harris is a player that can play on passing downs. He can play um, on goal line situations. He can play... In pretty much any situation you put him into, like I've said before, I think he's one of the most underrated running backs in the NFL. I think he's a guy that outside of when, when he has not been hurt, he has been a top 10 to top 15 running back um, in the NFL and just kind of has gotten outshined by counterparts that he's had in New England and a bunch of injuries. So really good deal for the Bills. It doesn't sound like it's very much money from what they were reporting, but nothing exact has been reported. So it sounds like it's probably going to be a three to $4 million deal for one year. Uh, perfect signing for the Bills. They get an upgrade over Devin Singletary, in my opinion. Um, the one that I got incorrect was a signing that I also thought was fantastic, and that's Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who signed a one-year deal for $8 million with the Detroit Lions. Makes him the 20th uh, highest-paid safety in the NFL this year. And Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was fantastic when he was healthy for the Eagles last year. This is going to be the second year he's been on a one-year deal. And I, I think it, it really works out well for Detroit as well, also because we had talked about, we had identified that the, the Lions' weakest part of their whole team is their secondary. They have a lot of young players in their front seven on defense. A defense that struggled was one of the worst, historically worst defenses in the NFL or in NFL history over the first half of the season. Made massive improvements and strides through the second half of the year last year. Um, but they needed to address their secondary, and they do that here with with uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Um, he also gets one more one year deal. He's still a pretty young player, and he's trying to cash in big. He seemed pretty frustrated with how free agency went for him, but. Um, you know, what better situation than a defense that's going to probably make some strides this year and to be a piece that gives them a huge upgrade at a position of need. 
Um, I, I think I think it was a great deal for both teams. Um, but you know, he was an unpredictable one because a lot of a lot of people and myself, I thought he was going to get a long term deal after what he did in Philly last year. But I think the injuries are still concerning people. So uh, another good situation for him to find himself in um, to hopefully get a, a long term deal next year. Okay. We're going to move into the largest overpays and the best values here now. And I have three that I thought were um, some overpays. So the, the first one that I identified was actually one of my favorite team, and that is tight end Josh Oliver, who signed a three-year, $21 million contract with 10.7 in guarantees uh, with the Minnesota Vikings. And... This is a really, really interesting one because Josh Oliver has been in the NFL for four years now, and he doesn't even have 300 receiving yards. Now, this has been talked about a lot because a lot of people are confused with this contract. He was the second highest graded pass or run blocking tight end in the NFL last year. But what I don't understand about this, I, I get that. I get he's a really good player, unique in his own way, really good player. But what I don't really understand about it is People, players like Josh Oliver don't really seem to fit the Kevin O'Connell offense that I watched last year. Um, Kevin O'Connell is trying to spread the ball out more. He's trying to pass it more often. He's trying to turn the Vikings into um, more of a, a, a pass-to-run type of team. They just traded for TJ Hawkinson last year, a second-round pick, which I'm, I'm assuming they're inevitably, inevitably going to pay this offseason, a pretty big contract. Um, entering his last year, uh, his fifth-year option of his rookie deal. And so you're now paying a tight end $7 million a year, 20th in average annual value in all tight ends in the NFL. And you're going to now pay probably one of the – you're probably going to give out one of the most lucrative contracts to another tight end uh, in an offense that you're trying to get the receivers, wide receivers more involved. You're also – you're going to feature this offense around Justin Jefferson. I, I don't really understand when you're when you're this tight up against the cap as the Vikings were. I don't understand giving a contract to a player like this that's so unique that is really good in a certain situation. Um, but it's got to be that situation. It just seems like an a, a really fun, funny move to be the first move that you make uh, in a pivotal in a pivotal offseason like the Vikings have this year. The next one that I have is offensive tackle Juwan Taylor who signed a four-year contract worth $80 million, $20 million a year, uh, with $60 million in guarantees with the Kansas City Chiefs, formerly of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Makes him the fourth-highest-paid tackle in the NFL. And the Chiefs decided, obviously, that they were going to um, move on from uh, Orlando Brown this offseason, let him walk. Uh, He signed, obviously, a, a contract with the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, and they, they think they get an upgrade here. And I'm, I think they did too, because Orlando Brown struggled last year for them as a pass blocker, which obviously is what the chiefs are trying to identify and trying to lock up long-term is somebody that can protect Patrick Mahomes. But Juwan Taylor was, has been a long, a long also, <laughs> okay. He's improved every single year as a pass blocker. That is inarguable. He's also been terrible. Terrible. One of the worst starting tackles in the NFL at run blocking. $20 million a year is a lot for a tackle. Like I said, fourth highest paid in the NFL. 
Um, a guy who has struggled that much in a major part of a, of an offensive tackle's game, that seems to me like a contract that you're going to regret. It seems to me like a contract that when you're paying a lot of other players really high-end money, uh, that you're probably not going to be able to um, keep around through the whole length of that contract. So um, I get that it's a left tackle. I get how important the position is. I think this is probably the one that I don't, I don't have a problem with the least amount, but at the same time, you could. I feel like you could have gotten a player that is similar in skill level to Juwan Taylor um, for a lot less money. Maybe a little bit worse, but a lot less money. Orlando Brown got less money in his in his contract he signed with the Bengals. So to me, this is a little bit of an overpay, but I still understand the move at least. Um, then the third one that I have, I don't understand at all, and that is Tremaine Edmonds, who signed a four-year, $72 million contract, fourth highest paid inside linebacker in the NFL, $50 million in guarantees with the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears just traded away Roquan Smith, their young stud middle linebacker, last season for a late second-round pick. And then they traded away a higher second-round pick for a third wide receiver, Chase Claypool who now is a, the third wide receiver on the team. Okay, so you basically lost draft capital to replace Roquan Smith, one of the best inside linebackers in the NFL, with Chase Claypool, and then clear out cap space, yes, but then you use that exact amount of money that you would have paid Roquan Smith, maybe a little bit less, little bit, two, three million dollars a year less, and you get a much more inconsistent, good player, much more inconsistent middle linebacker in free agency. That's what you use that money for. Makes absolutely no sense to me. Um, I don't really understand what the Bears are doing here. There's been a lot of moves I have I think are pretty good deals that the Bears have made. Um, but this one's a head-scratcher, and this has been their most lucrative contract that they've given out yet in free agency. And and this has been the whole thing with the Bears this year. They're, all the Bears fans, all the people in the media, the Bears have the most cap space. They have a ridiculous amount of cap space. They're going to spend, spend, spend. Okay, well, you also gave away <coughs> a lot of your, excuse me, you also gave away a lot of your key young pieces that you had that were about to come up to big contracts. You gave away a ton of those. Trade them away for draft picks so that you could clear out cap space, and then you were going to spend it on players who are who are worse than them and give them basically the same contracts. That, that part puzzles me. I don't understand what the Bears are doing there, um, but we'll see how it works out. Tremaine Edmonds is a good player. He's just been inconsistent as well, and I think this is a, a pretty steep overpay. When you give $50 million over four years guaranteed um, and $72 million in total, so $18 million a year, for a middle linebacker who has been inconsistent throughout his young career. Um, not a big fan of that one. Okay, move on to the best values. Um, and I have four of them. Uh, we'll start off with one that I already talked about. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, his one-year deal that he signed, $8 million with the Detroit Lions. I kind of already talked, I, I kind of already exhausted this, but I just think it's a really good fit. I think the Lions are, like I said, they're trying to go for it this year. They're trying to improve from 9-8, and eight. Um, they start off the season one and six and they finished off nine and eight. Their offense was fantastic. They don't have very much, they don't have very many players that they lost on offense and the ones that they did, I think they'll be able to replace or they already have. 
Um, and their defense just needed to improve. And the secondary was the key spot. And they bring in Chauncey Gardner-Johnson on a discount. One-year deal, $8 million. Uh, I think it was a big-time upgrade for the Lions in their secondary. Another se- another upgrade for their secondary is another one of my best-value deals, and that is cornerback Cameron Sutton, uh, formerly of the Steelers, who signed a three-year, $33 million contract with the Lions, $22.5 million in guaranteed. Makes him the 17th-highest-paid cornerback in the NFL. Um, Cameron Sutton was the best young cornerback on the market. There were some other older guys that were that were available, and they en- and they ended up signing with their own teams. Uh, James Bradbury is one of them. Um, but Cameron Sutton was the best young guy that you're going to bring in and try to keep him with your team for a long term, you know, a, a long term, a, a longer length. Uh, they signed him to a three year contract, but um, eleven million dollars a year for Cameron Sutton is a pretty big discount for maybe, the, like I said, the best young cornerback that was ended up being available on the market. So, like like I said, I think the Lions are being aggressive at a position that they knew they needed to upgrade, and they're showing that they're trying to fill every hole on this roster and be a, a Super Bowl team if they can this season. So, uh, like the move, they didn't have to overpay for him. I think it was a good move for the Lions. The next one I have is somebody I just mentioned as well, and that is James Bradbury, who came back to the Philadelphia Eagles on a three-year, $38 million contract with $20 million in guarantees. Um, when you look at the layout of the contract, it's basically a two-year deal. Uh, with $20 million in guaranteed. James Bradbury was one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL last year. Uh, it was his, his second year in a row that he'd been on a prove-it deal, and he proved it. I mean, he, he in, throughout the beginning of the season, James Bradbury was making highlight play after highlight play. Um, it, it, one, of the best, one of the best signings of last, year, of last year's offseason was James Bradbury coming to the Eagles, filling a major role that the Eagles had been looking for for a while, which was finding that second cornerback, that other cornerback that they could trust opposite Darius Slay. Um, James Bradbury was awesome for them, and I know there's a lot of negative um, hype with James Bradbury from the Super Bowl play, which I think was ridiculous, Um, and and Bradbury had just a a really good year. So I think this is a great signing for the Eagles. Somebody they identified was a key to their success last year on defense, and they didn't have to pay too much for him. He's entering his age 30 season. Um, so that also obviously comes with why it's a shorter deal and stuff and why they maybe got a discount, but Bradbury still looked like he was, um, at the top of his game last year. So I I really like the signing for the Eagles. And then my last one that I have is defensive tackle Draymond Jones, who signed a three year, $51 million contract, 35 million in guarantees with the Seattle Seahawks. Draymond Jones is one of the most unique, best players, best defensive, uh, lineman in the NFL makes him the fourth highest paid defensive lineman in the NFL this contract does for the Seahawks and this was a position the Seahawks needed to upgrade their defensive line um, was getting manhandled by teams that that had really good offensive lines like when they played the 49ers it was a reason they struggled against them um, Draymond Jones has been overshadowed by a lot of pass rushers in his first four years in the NFL with the Broncos you think about the end of Von Miller's career and Bradley Chubb, uh, a lot of edge rushers that the Broncos have had that have been really good. But Draymond Jones has probably been, over the last three years, the best defensive lineman on the Broncos. A key to their success um, throughout the end of Vic Fangio's tenure. And then even last year, the Broncos were pretty good on defense up until the end of the year when everything started to uh, implode. Um, but I think that 
the Seahawks identified how good he is and that he may have been undervalued in the market. Um, and I think they got, I think they got a steal here. I think Draymond Jones, now they got this big contract too, moves to Seattle, uh, a team with a lot of really good young players and on defense and a, a defense that, I mean, just was fan completely over exceeded expectations last year. They bring in a key piece of their defensive line. I love the move for Seattle. Okay. Um, I'm going to take a really quick break here and then we will be back with our March Madness matchups and our updated final four going into the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight this weekend in the tournament. So we will be back with that here on Nonstop BS. All right, digging into March Madness here now. Um, man, it was such a great weekend for college basketball. So many good games, so many good up, up uh, upsets and stuff. Um, crazy endings, crazy games. Memphis made me so mad um, at the end of that game, them against FAU, if you guys didn't catch that. Just some a ridiculous penalty and a ridiculous call at the end of the game. But, I, you know... Just, just so madness, straight madness. Um, just so many good games though, and it's gonna make I think for another fantastic weekend in um the tournament. Uh, it's been a great tournament so far, and uh, so anyways, the games that we have coming up here on Thursday and Friday, uh, in the South region, we have Alabama taking on San Diego State. The winner of that will play the winner of Creighton, the six seed. Taking on Princeton, the 15 seed. Princeton has cost me a lot of money. Um, so in that region, we have the one, the five, the six, and the eleven, and the fifteen. Um, listen, I, I don't really understand how Alabama is not going to win this 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 uh the the only team this region the only team that I think even will be able to put up any resistance on Alabama with their size, their speed, their rebounding. Is Creighton. Um, Creighton. Creighton shoots the ball ridiculously well. They also, they, I mean, they also play really good defense. Creighton's a team that I identified with my futures, obviously, early on in the, in the tournament, and I thought they were one of the most underrated teams coming into the tournament. Um, the betting market kind of showed that too. I, I guess I shouldn't even say underrated. I should say underseeded um, as a six seed. So, but they really came on at the end of the year, is what it was, and um, I, I think Creighton is going to put up a fight with Alabama. Um, I, I do predict both Alabama and Creighton to win. I think Creighton's going to handle Princeton. I think it's going to be a, a joke of a game. Um, so, um, and, and San Diego State played really well. I mean, they played dominantly um, in the second round of, of the tournament. Uh, but I, I think Alabama's just going to outskill them. I mean, I, I think that, you know, San Diego State playing, uh, playing Furman in the second round and it's just it's it's a whole different playing field and uh so i do like alabama and creighton to win those two games and then i, I think alabama is going to come out as the south uh representative in the final four uh moving down to the east we have fau um the nine seed who taking on tennessee the four seed uh, in the first game and then we have michigan state the three seed taking on uh, i'm sorry kansas state the three seed taking on michigan state the seventh seed um, this is going to be really fun. I mean, I think this is the most unpredictable, uh, region that we have left. FAU has played really, I mean, they shouldn't have won against Memphis. They, they were down seven with about two, two minutes and change left. And there was a, it was a pretty ridiculous situation for them, um, to win that game. 
I shouldn't say they shouldn't have won, but it was it was a ridiculous set of circumstances that allowed them to win that game. But Tennessee completely, it, they might be one of the best, if not the best defensive team in the country. Probably them in Houston. And they completely out-physical Duke, who had been one of the hottest teams coming into the tournament. Um, I like Tennessee to win this game, but I think this is going to be one of the best, one of the most underrated and best games um, here on Thursday and Friday between FAU and Tennessee. But I like Tennessee to win that one. And then I like Kansas State, um, surprisingly the underdog, to beat Michigan State. Uh, Kansas State, I mean, they have a couple players on their team. And I'm not really good with names of college basketball. I'm not going to try to act like I know everybody. But there's a couple guys on the the Kansas State on, on Kansas State that I, they look like NBA players, and I don't think Michigan State's going to be able to contain. They shoot really well, and their big guys shoot really well for Kansas State. Um, I think Kansas State is going to win. That's going to be a really good game too. But I think Kansas State's going to end up beating Michigan State, and then I like Tennessee at this point to be the representative um, for the East. I think Tennessee's defense is. I think they're just going to dominate every single team they play. Um, there, there'll be some close games, but I just don't think there's very many teams. I don't think there's any team in this region left. Um, I think the only team that would have probably been able to score on them is Purdue just with Zach Eady, but being seven foot four and, and all, but, um, I, I, I don't really see a team though. Like I said, in this region, that's going to be able to, um, score enough to be able to beat Tennessee. I think Tennessee is just that good defensively. In the Midwest, we have, this is probably the region that has had the least chaos to this point. We have the one seed Houston taking on the five seeded Miami. And then we have the three seed uh, Xavier taking on the two seed Texas. Um, you know, Houston, in their first game, they looked like they were going to have issues with all their injuries that they have. Um, and, and they they kept that game a lot closer than most people were anticipating against Northern Kentucky. Uh, 63 to 52, but then they came in the second half and dominated Auburn, um, in, 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 uh, the second round, taking on a Miami team that dominated Indiana in the second, in the second half of their game. Um, but Miami struggled with Drake in their first game. So <laughs> this, this one's going to be fun, but I think, I think Houston's just the better team and they're, they're probably going to end up winning this game. It could be close because Houston has been, a different team, you know, right before the tournament and then in the tournament. But I think Houston's going to end up winning that game. And then Xavier and Texas, I think Texas just flat out the better team. Um, te- Texas's win over Penn State was pretty impressive. Um, and and it, was, it was, you know, decently close. But Penn State's been a really hot team as well. And I just think Texas is one of the best teams. I think they're probably the third best team to Alabama and Houston left in the tournament right now the way that it sits, but UCLA probably would be if they didn't have uh, the key injury that they had. But um, I think right now Texas is probably the second best team left in the tournament, and I think Texas ends up beating Xavier. And then I, th- I think Houston is going, or I think Texas is going to beat Houston as well. Um, like I said, I think Houston's just going to struggle as we continue here, and they're not the same team that we saw early on in the season when they were the most dominant team in college basketball. So I like Texas to beat Houston and represent the Midwest in the Final Four at this point. Um, and then in the West, I we have the eight-seeded Arkansas taking on the four-seeded UConn and the three-seeded Gonzaga taking on the two-seed UCLA. I like UCLA to beat Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga's lack of defense is going to finally show up against UCLA. UCLA is still a team that can spread the ball around and score with the best of them. So um, I like UCLA there. And then 
I like um, Arkansas to upset UConn. Arkansas has just been playing fantastic basketball. They have a couple of players that are uh, supposed to be first-round picks in the NBA, um, and, and they have just been playing really, really good in the tournament. So I like Arkansas to beat UConn, and then I like UCLA to beat Arkansas, and UCLA to win the West, <clears throat> the West region and be in the Final Four. Um, I've been pretty consistent on this. I think UCLA is just such a good, well-rounded team and one of the best offensive teams in the country. Um, so that's my final four. My final four will be Alabama, Tennessee, Texas, and UCLA. Um, I still like Alabama to win the tournament. I still just think they are right now with all the injuries and everything that have taken place with Houston and UCLA. I think Alabama's just flat out the best team in the country. Um, so that, that's where I stand right now. My initial final four were Alabama, Memphis, Houston, and UCLA. So I got three of the four still remaining, but um, it has obviously been a chaotic tournament, and that is what makes it so freaking fun. Okay, getting into my best bets for the weekend. So starting off, f- or for the remainder of the week, not the weekend. It's not a Saturday episode. Um, <laughs> starting off with my best bets for the NBA on Wednesday, and I've said this every episode, but if you guys don't follow me on Twitter. That's the, If you're interested in the bet, betting part of this these podcast, follow me on Twitter. Follow me on the Action app. Um, I said at the beginning of the show, my, my Twitter is at Lynch Ed Cole. My, if you want to follow me on the action app, it's a bet, uh, betting tracking, bet tracking app. Um, I'm at Cole underscore Lynch on that. Um, I post a ton. I post way more bets on Twitter than I give out on the podcast. I'm also giving out the podcast bets on the, um, the podcast Twitter account. Um, so you can follow along with the podcast bets there if that's all you're kind of interested in. If you just kind of listen to the show and you're not as much interested in, in following my bets and seeing what I'm betting and stuff. Um, but if you want more bets, follow me on Twitter. But okay, so for Wednesday, I'm going to play the Heat. They are at home against the Knicks. Um, this is a really important game for the Heat. They are getting eerily close to being able to pass the Nets for the sixth seed. Um, and it was kind of looking like it was going to be difficult to do when the Nets started winning games, uh, a couple games after trading away Durant and, and Kyrie, but, um, the Nets have been slipping as of late and the Heat have been really, really good. Um, they lost both their first two games against the Knicks this season by two points on the road and at home. But I think right now the, the, the Nets or the Heat just have a ton more, um, to play for at this point. And the Knicks are kind of hitting a lull. Um, the Knicks have had a few injuries of, as of late. Brunson still has not been back. So um, the Heat minus one and a half here at home, I think it's a really good number. I think it, that the market's still undervaluing the Heat too because they've been so bad against the spread throughout the whole season. Um, so I like the Heat here, minus one and a half at home against the Knicks. I also like the Hawks plus four and a half. Um, they're going to be on the road at the Timberwolves. The Hawks got manhandled by the Timberwolves last week. Um, and... The Timberwolves don't think they're going to have Anthony Edwards up. It looks like he's a game-time decision. Carl Anthony Towns is also a game-time decision. I mean, these are this is an important game, super important game for both teams. But with the questions at at um, for the injury or with the injuries for the Timberwolves, along with the fact that the Hawks are being undervalued in this game, I mean, they were a six five and a half point favorite uh, against the Timberwolves when they played them at home last week. Uh, the Hawks have been so inconsistent, yes, um, but at the same time, four and a half points against the Timberwolves, especially when there's a possibility of not having their two best players. Um, keep in mind they didn't have they haven't had Carl Anthony Towns for most of the season, but 
if they don't have Anthony Edwards, I mean, the Hawks should win this game, and they should definitely not be a four and a half point underdog. So I love the Hawks right now at four and a half, but I am going to play as a half unit, um, I, just because of the injury question marks. And four and a half is a pretty good number. Probably even I might lean the other way if it stayed at four and a half with Anthony Edwards playing. Um, but at the same time, with the questions right now, I'm going to play a half unit. We'll see what happens with the number when they announce the injuries. That's the thing about the NBA. I'm trying to get on top of a number and get the best number that I can get. But at the same time, it's so unpredictable in the NBA. So half unit right now in the Hawks, even though I love the number if Anthony Edwards is out at four and a half. Okay, and then my last play for tomorrow night, uh, for Wednesday night in the NBA, is the Lakers' money line. They are at home against the Suns. Um, Listen, the Suns have been just brutal lately, just terrible lately. And the Lakers need this game so bad. They're a half game right now out of the 10th seed in the West. It's such a tight race. They've played really well at home, too, as of late. So I like the Lakers. I'm getting plus money here at plus 105. Um, you shop around to find that number. But um, if you can get plus money on the Lakers, I love that, and that's going to be a full unit play. Okay, and then my bets for college basketball on Thursday. I like Kansas State money line plus 115 against Michigan State. Like I said, I just think they're the better team. I think they have um, just overall better better players than Michigan State. I think they're better sh- at shooting. They're better shooters than Michigan State, um, and I think it's going to show up. I think Kansas State's one of the most undervalued pl- teams in this tournament, and I've been betting them. I bet them against um, Kentucky. I bet them in their first game. I've been betting them the whole time. So I like Kansas State again here as an underdog against Michigan State, and then I also like UCLA minus two, minus one ten is the number that I could find. Uh, against Gonzaga, you know, like I said, I, I, Gonzaga's defense is going to catch up with them at some point, um, and I think this is going to be the time. UCLA is one of the most well-rounded teams in the in the whole country, as I said. So UCLA, two points. I like that all the way up to three and a half. Um, and those would be my two bets for Thursday. And then on Friday, I love, I cannot believe that we're getting Creighton at under 10 against Princeton. That is insane to me. I've found one of them. The, the The line at most books is 10 right now. I found Creighton 9.5. It is minus 120, so you're laying a little bit of juice, but I, I cannot pass up on that. I'm going to play two units for Creighton minus 9.5 against Princeton. Creighton is a significantly better team than Princeton. I don't care how much money I've lost on Princeton at this point. I am going to play Creighton here. I'll play Creighton all the way up to basically 12 or 13, um, maybe even past that. But if it's under 12, I'm playing Creighton. I think Creighton is going to demolish Princeton in this game. Um, and I just think that that still Creighton is kind of undervalued. And, and Princeton's getting a lot of love because of their two wins. This kind of always happens. They're going to get demolished at some point. If it's not here, it's going to be by Alabama in the next game. So it's to me, 9.5 is a great number for Creighton against Princeton. Okay, guys. Um, that's going to be all the bets for today. Uh, if I appreciate everybody for listening to the show, please, 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 please rate review and subscribe, uh, tell a friend that you would think would be interested in this podcast. Um, we'll be back on Saturday morning again with a ton more, I'm sure in the NFL, um, probably some NBA, and then we'll, uh, be talking about and giving out bets for the race coming up here. I'm still doing the competitions on Twitter, man. We had one person who, uh, has been participating, and he was really close. He had Brad Kozlowski. Kozlowski led 
about the last 30 laps of the race and got passed on the last lap. So he would have won the money. Um, but if you don't know about it, follow me on Twitter. All I need for you to do is retweet the post. Um, I post it. I post the contest every single week on Saturday. If you retweet it, you you send me proof of uh, rating and reviewing the podcast, subscribing and reviewing the podcast, and you put your outright pick for the race every single week. I'm going to give away some money. So, um, like I said, follow me on Twitter for that and pay attention on Saturday. Uh, please partake in the contest. It's it's all for fun. It's for show content. So. Um, really appreciate anybody who would want to do that. And it's all free. It's just picking the outright, whoever you think is going to win the race, just shoot your shot every week and you may be able to win some of my money. Um, but besides that, I will see you on Saturday and we'll have a lot more sports talk. We'll see what goes on in this March Madness tournament. Um, and yeah, so we'll see you on Saturday. Thank you guys again for listening to nonstop BS. felt like we had a really successful episode and you know we're not really about the saris like any of the catch-ups like where i was what i was doing you know what we did it we moved on and